The biopic, a genre of film that dramatizes the non-fictional life and times of real people throughout history. One of the earliest examples of the genre is Jean d'Arc, or Joan of Arc, a French silent film released in the year 1900, which endeavored to tell the story of the historical French heroine in a short 10-minute runtime. While the film may be astonishingly short by today's standards, even a film with a runtime of, say, 2 hours and 39 minutes cannot possibly hope to capture every key moment of a person's life, much less achieve a historically accurate representation of that life. Some critics lament the warping of real events that occurs in biopics, but famous movie critic Roger Ebert took a contrary stance to this in his defense of The Hurricane, a movie about middleweight boxer Reuben the Hurricane Carter. Quote, those who seek the truth about a man from the film of his life might as well seek it from his loving grandmother. The hurricane is not a documentary, but a parable, said Ebert. While his defense was about a singular film, it can be applied to the genre as a whole. And despite what critics may say about the genre one way or the other, it's clear that moviegoers cannot get enough, especially when it comes to music biopics. From 1954's The Glenn Miller Story to the world's largest grossing biopic, 2018's Bohemian Rhapsody, the music biopic is a Hollywood staple and Oscar nominee regular. The latest installment in the genre was first rumored to be in production in 2014, but it wasn't until March 2019 that it was announced that Tom Hanks would be playing a major role in the film. Four months later, the lead actor was revealed. According to the director, Boz Lerman, it was between several candidates. Ansel Elgort, Miles Teller... Austin Butler, Aaron Taylor Johnson, and Harry Styles. Lerman revealed that Butler's audition tape, a performance of the song Unchained Melody, pushed him over the edge and earned him the role of a lifetime as the king of rock and roll. That's right, this week on Cover Me, we're talking about the 2022 film, Elvis. That's right, it's Cover Me, the only podcast that usually compares famous songs to their many cover versions to find out which one is best. This week we're talking movies as it's entrepreneur summer and there's no business like show business. I'm your host as always, The Snake, joined by my financially abusive co-host, uh, Alex Mildenberger. Alex Mildenberger. Yeah. Hey, show On business. On the finances. On the finances. Can you, do you think you can do a Tom Hanks as Tom Colonel Tom Parker impression for us right now. Oh no, I don't think I can. He's very. He's quite. Yeah. He's like it's quite almost. It's he's it's he's Dutch, close right? To German. He's Dutch. He pretends to be from yeah. West Virginia. I feel like Which I can't like, do it. <laughs> that part of the movie, and they're like, he's like, well, I am just a boy from West Virginia. I was like, are you? <laughs> <laughs> I know, I was like, hang on, why the fuck does he sound so Dutch then? Uh, yeah. <laughs> also, I think you did a pretty good one there when you did the West Virginia line. I think that was pretty okay. decent. Um, Alex, we're talking about movies again. We haven't done this for two years. <laughs> no, we haven't. We don't talk about movies very often. No, we don't. Um, and last time we did it was Streets of Fire. Check that episode out. Great musical movie. I, I don't know if great story at word, but certainly yeah, a spectacle. Certainly worth watching. Certainly worth watching. Um, Alex, movie news uh, loosely related to this and touched upon in an episode that will probably come out after this. Uh, the Minions Rise of Gru, uh, yeah. the newest the newest Minions film. Uh, yep, that's a Hashtag gentle minions. Um, have you seen the soundtrack for this, Alex? I've seen the Could soundtrack on... Yes. No, I haven't. Um, you can check it out on Spotify. It's a playlist. But you'll notice it is chock-a-block with covers by some pretty big names. You've got a cover of Funky Town by St. Vincent. You've got a yeah. cover of uh, Fly Like an Eagle by Thundercat. Uh, Phoebe Bridgers does Goodbye to Love. Instant Karma by Bleachers. Um, it's like, it's yes, back. Music, it's black front magic to back woman, Born covers. to be alive. Cecilia. Yeah, by and by like popular modern artists. Yeah. So we may need to take a, a, a more in-depth look at uh, Minions of the Rise of Gru. All right, I'll look forward to that. Diana Ross. Oh, okay. We may need to suit up and, and go to the theaters, hashtag Gentle Minions. Um, <laughs> if that's become some weird alt-right movement by the time this releases, I am so sorry. Um, <laughs> we have no association with wearing a suit and going to the Minions movie. Alex, but we did go to the movies this week to see we Elvis. Um, tell me about your movie-going experience. Where'd you go? What kind of theater? Did you, did you get the 4D experience, the the the, sh the rotating and no. moving chair? Or? Do they have that for Elvis? They I only saw. Did actually have it? Oh wow! Now where I, I now where I am. 
No, he's yeah, not I, in theater, I saw I that and I was like, no, I can't fucking do that. <laughs> <laughs> That's, uh, yeah, no, I went to very standard. Uh, well, it's very standard, but, you know, modern, so they have the nice seats that uh, mm. reclined. But that was it. Doing a, doing a landmark? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It, there's a new one uh, fairly close to me. It's smaller, but, you know, they still have, they, they got the seats. So that's oh, yeah. all I, I need, don't mind man. a small theater. I mean, the theater itself, like, the theaters are normal size, but there's just okay. not as many screens. Not as many screens. Compared yeah, to some that. of the really big places. My favorite theater is this small rinky-dink cineplex I got nearby me, and it's it sucks, though, because they, like, never play new movies unless it's Sonic the Hedgehog for some reason. But <laughs> but that's, like, fine, too. Like, when you say not new, do you mean, like, a bit old? Like, they just... Yeah, and, like, it's kind of like... Like the like, cheap theaters, kind of? Yeah, cheap theater, kind of second-run style, yeah. so... Um, but yeah, I've had to go to a nice big downtown Vancouver theater for this one. Um, and I went with, uh, my partner, Greta James. Alex, you went with your roommates? Yep. Went with the roommates. Exciting. We went, um, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, they were also as curious about the movie as I was. I remember, I like, see, I think a couple movies that I've gone to since, like, COVID, or since mm-hmm. things opened up, you know, um, had the trailer and yeah and it's just very like the trailer was very exciting i thought and also i just liked to hear him talk in the elvis voice so i think it's a little funny oh, so i was like i want to see i wanted to see the movie like, mama i want to see that movie yeah exactly <laughs> like god dang yeah. it mommy there was so that. many trailers for it at least i feel like i saw a lot and i was like ah, oh, another one of these because i guess that's the next big question here alex are you a music biopic guy or even a biopic in general kind of guy um I haven't seen, like, I know every time one of these comes out, someone will say something like, uh, didn't, uh, oh, what was the movie? Um, uh, Walk Hard, the Dewey Cox story. Like, that mm. already came out. Why are people still doing this? Like, I didn't see that movie. And I don't watch other biopics generally. So I'm like, if there's, like, tropes that to get disappointed about, I'm not familiar with them. You're I saw Walk them. the Line back in the day. Ah, uh, the Johnny Cash and one. And that's, like, pretty much it. I haven't seen Rocket oh. Man. I haven't seen uh, Bohemian, uh, Rhapsody. Bohemian Rhapsody. Like, I haven't seen any of them. You've seen The Doors? No. Val Kilmer? Okay, I've seen The Doors, and I think that's probably where I start and stopped with yeah. this genre. I'm not big on biopics. I think because I was, like, the kind of guy who would just read this shit on Wikipedia and be like, well, that's good. I know now Yeah. that, you know, like, this thing happened. To I definitely had that, too. It's like, to I, I get the yeah. stories. Without mm-hmm. necessarily watching the dramatization. Yeah, and that's... I Since I am kind of in it from a factoid angle, I'm like, I want to get the the meat that Roger Ebert's defense kind of doesn't work for me, because I'm like, well, I kind of do want to know what is and isn't true to form. Yeah, I don't know if I necessarily agree with it either, because even something like you try to make it a parable or you try to make a... a you know, the the overarching idea or themes uh, mm-hmm. is it arcing or arching anyway I think both are uh, um i usually say arcing i think i do too that's a factoid about me so hey. like as much as you can try to do that at the end of the day it's just a story of someone's life and a life is not focused like that so mm-hmm. it feels very like episodic in a lot of ways um or like you're kind of like maybe a series of parables if anything but it, it's it's hard to make it um, yeah, it's hard to really focus enough that it's it. yeah, like one story with one message kind of thing. Yeah, which is I think this this to speak of Elvis, I think it yeah. does a, a good framing. I would say the framing of this as the the story of Elvis through the abuses of Colonel Tom Parker was a pretty good framing device. Yeah, definitely a good way to like focus the story a little bit more mm-hmm. as compared to like we'll tell everything that happened and then at the end we'll try to like make something of it. Right. When, yeah, you're trying to make something of a person's life, which is like 90% random happenstance. Yeah. And 10% actual choices they made. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I guess let's, like, just on a base level, did you like the film, Alex? I, I would say I did enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's some other recent movies that, like, blew me away, so it wasn't quite on that level, but, like, they're, you know... It was pretty solid movie, I think, as far as how much. What am I trying to say? I'm just throwing out filler words right now. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Um, let's talk about some specific things here. Visually. Yeah. Let's say visually. When I we mean, talk about Boz Lerman, he's called a maximalist. True. He makes maximalism films. Yeah, and, and there was definitely is. a lot of things flying at you a lot of the time. A lot of sparkle. Right um, from like beat one, it's like, boom, here's the logo. Things are moving around. We've got this uh, haunting clip of uh, Suspicious Minds playing. And then, right. boom, it, Las Vegas. Like, it's like every time they were in a new place, it was a postcard or this or that. Like, it's the transitions were moving. And yeah, really and like shown. a ton of like montage as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I was surprised actually, like going in knowing it was two hours forty minutes long, which is like on the longer side. Yes, um, absolutely. Based on like the pace of the first part of the movie, was like how are they going to keep this up for two hours and forty minutes? Yeah, it uh, does which they don't necessarily clip. keep up that pace for the whole time, but like it moves through some things very, very quickly. Hmm. Yeah, and that's maybe another trouble I have with biopics is like in a typical plot you have a general understanding of the structure and you can kind of see, you kind of feel out where you are in the story. You're like, okay, you know, the, the goal has been established that you got to get the ring to fucking Mordor or whatever. Right. X amount of events have happened. Okay, we're at this point in the journey. Maybe Lord of the Rings is a bad example for that because it yeah. is three films. But- it is. But at the same time, you can tell there's like, like the, the excitement escalates like directly. Um, it's directly correlated with like how close they are to mordor right mm-hmm. like if you know that which you can kind of get from watching it you, you know like where you are in the story yeah and then you're like okay so we're gonna hit like we're almost at mordor so it's we're gonna wrap from here but then with elvis it was like and then another thing happens to elvis you're like okay we're uh okay and then does he solve it he kind of solves it but like there's some lingering things and then like he moves on to another thing mm-hmm. because yeah it's just his life and there's different things happening so yeah, that is like like two hours and forty minutes. It is long, and the movie feels long. Uh, that said, I th- like coming out of it and having chewed on it. I saw it on Tuesday for a bit. I'm like, I don't know mm-hmm. if you could necessarily make it shorter. Yeah, unless like it focuses on. I think what it wants to focus on, right? Mm-hmm. So it's not like super meandering or anything, any more than. Or, like, not too much anyway. But, like, really, it, it covers the things, and then the things it doesn't have anything to say about it kind of skips. That's true, yeah. Or shows, you know, passes over, and it's like, oh, it's been five years. Oh, okay. <laughs> like, fine. Yeah, okay, we're, we're moving on. Fair enough. Um, yeah, and I do, I guess I do have some quibbles with what parts are focused on. Uh, but that might just be, like, my interest in Elvis versus what Boz Lerman was interested in. Sure. Uh, before we move forward, though, Alex, you uh, you seen any other Boz Lerman films? Um, yeah, I saw um, seen Moulin Rouge. Yeah, I've seen, seen Moulin Rouge uh, as well. He's as Romeo and Juliet, and I've Romeo seen at plus least Juliet. Most of that, I think I watched it in school. Yeah, I think I was the um, same. Those are the two I know I've seen. I haven't yeah. seen uh, Gatsby. No, nor have I. Or oh, there's another one I forgot. Yeah. Australia is another one he's done, and also Strictly Ballroom. Nope, don't know those. Don't know those. Uh, interestingly, he's usually a director, writer, and producer on all of his films, except for Strictly Ballroom, where he's not a producer. So you get pretty unfiltered Boz Lerman on any production he's he's involved in, which is interesting. I liked Romeo plus Juliet. Um, my siblings really like Moulin Rouge, and I liked being around people, so I saw that one a lot. <laughs> uh, visually, the style is very very similar, though. I would say very up in your face. Um, Alex, what did you think about Austin Butler as Elvis? I mean, he did Elvis voice. That was fun. He did Elvis voice. Not only talking, but Same. as young Elvis, he is the vocals yeah. for songs. So that was... Is he not the vocals for older Elvis? No, so for older Elvis, they use actual uh, Elvis recordings. Okay. I did notice that it changed. Mm. I didn't realize that he wasn't just like doing a good job, though. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's I, I, I almost couldn't tell, but I think there was part of me that was like, I think they've switched at some point here. But, uh, oh my god, I'm going to sneeze, Alex. Uh, no, I'm not going to sneeze. Oh, shit. Alex, there's a four-hour-long cut of this that exists. I forgot to mention that when we were talking about the length of the film. Um, uh, yeah, I, I don't long. doubt that. That's, that's lengthy. That's lengthy as shit. Sounds like a director's cut. Um, but let's let's talk the about DVD. the general structure of this. So we're brought into yeah. this world through Colonel Tom Parker, 
the snowman. Yeah, that's kind of our framing device is it is the end of Colonel Tom Parker's life, or at least he's had, you know, he has a heart attack, right? He's yeah, it's 1997, which is when he passes. Um, and he's saying like, oh, everyone says that I killed Elvis, but I'll tell you what really happened, which was a bit weird because I don't think the film did a very good job of arguing that it wasn't his fault. Like, <laughs> that, like yeah, like well, his ultimate uh, thesis is that it was his love of performance. And so he, he's ultimately saying we killed Elvis. Yeah, because there's a few times where he literally says you. Referring yeah. to the audience. Referring to the audience, referring to the people who loved Elvis. Yeah. And I think where his um, his argument comes to, or where it's at its strongest, is in the scene where he is selling Elvis on the Vegas show. Right. Near the end there. Because he's like, you can have the show. It's like, instead of traveling around, we can get you here. You can have, they're going to pay for everything. You can have the exact show that you want. And so uh, he, you know, he kind of puts Elvis in a gold cage, but Elvis agrees to it wholeheartedly. He's like, oh, the snowman does it again. Uh, let's put on the show. Right. Um, and I, I just, but I do feel like if, like, if you talk about a movie w- with this sort of a framing device, oftentimes it's, you go really heavy on the, like, um, uh, the unreliable narrator. Right, mm-hmm. which I suppose there probably is to a degree, but not to the extent where it's like, oh yeah, they were all buddy buddy, and right, and it was totally just not his fault. Because like, I mean, that is fair. Because yeah. you're, you're right; he doesn't go like, and then I swooped in and saved Elvis. Like the the visual events are displayed as as Boz Lerman sees them as Colonel Tom Parker being a villain, but we are ostensibly being told the story by Colonel Tom Parker. Yeah, which is like a bit, I think, of a disconnect, but not like horribly or anything. Yeah, not horribly. But as um, as far as the framing device goes, like we said, it seems to be a good way to focus it because the film is very much focused on the relationship between these two people. And there's a lot of characters in this film which are based on real people. Um, Yeah, you get B.B. King, you get Sister Rosetta Tharp, you get uh, Big Mama, whatever, Thornton, Big Mama Thornton, who uh, originally performs uh, Hound Dog. dog. Uh, Little Richard is in it, too. Little Richard. Hank Snow. Hank Snow, that's right. A lot of focus Uh, on Hank Snow and his eventual... Yeah, like, that's, and that's part of that, like, focus thing I'm talking about. It's like, we spent so much time on Hank Snow, and then things like, like... Elvis's time in the military is like two scenes. Yeah, he's like, you're going to the military for two years, and then it's like he came back. <laughs> yeah, he meets his child wife there, and right. then is he comes back. Yeah, and there's a lot of people that like look very similar, like because he's got his whole entourage, right? That, right. Like, hang out with him, and then there's like some producers later on that like kind of look like they could be the entourage guys. Yeah, I and thought. it's since yeah, since we don't like get enough familiarity with yeah. Elvis's band and, like, and we Elvis's don't spend entourage. much time with him because yeah like we don't need to because it's not about that relationship mm-hmm. but it does I think it does confuse things in later scenes because you're like well is that guy yeah right. who the is guitarist that guy? who played yeah. with him at the the first show or is he some other fucking dude yeah but I guess let's go over the the events of the film. Yeah, let's go over some big moments. Um, um, really, like, it's split up into, uh, I said four sections, maybe three or five, depending on how you look at it. Like, the beginning, the first bit is, like, them meeting, right? Yes. So, Elvis is already doing some recording, and it's kind of becoming popular, and then he hears it, and he's like, oh, I gotta get this guy. Mm-hmm. Because he finds out he's white. Right, yeah, that, there's a whole scene where he's like, oh, they wouldn't let a colored boy, like, uh, yeah, play perform, the and then like show. that's the thing. He ain't, and this lady's like, "What?" Because he's playing, you know, music not he's associated with white quote unquote people. race records. He's playing yeah, blues right. and rock race music. Um, so he sees him, and then what's interesting, and I don't necessarily know what it means, but like it, the first bit of them working together, it doesn't show them talking at all. Mm-hmm. It just, I, and I don't really know what that means, like. He's representing him a bit, and he's ta- they're talking about the in-scenes with other people talking about each other. They're like, yeah, I said this, you know, to Elvis, or whatever. Um, but it doesn't actually show them interacting until later on when they're in, like, a fun house. 
Right. Yeah, that's like the real like like I guess the so you could call it the start of the conflict if we're, we're talking I guess about so. I guess that's the moment version. where he's like, let me represent you kind of thing. Because he is the carny and he literally catches Elvis in his carny world in the House of Mirrors. Yeah. Isolates him and is like, you look lost. He's like, well, I just can't find my way out of the dang old house here. He's like, no, I meant metaphorically. Yes. He's like, well, damn, okay. Sure thing. Yeah. So then the Captain movie Marvel Jr. follows Elvis through getting popular. Um, and buying Grace, they always say Graceland. Graceland, yeah, Memphis, anyway, Tennessee. They always pronounce it like that, with like yeah. no emphasis on the land. That's right. Um, which like happens pretty early on. I didn't realize that happened so soon. Um, and then like forming like El Presley, whatever the like business about. Oh yeah, it. Presley Elvis Presley uh, Enterprises, Enterprises or whatever it is. That's it. And then like bringing his family on board, and then going away to tour to spread and like spread um his popularity you know yeah to yeah just to boost because eventually he's doing these carny shows and then hank snow's like i don't want to be on this lewd boy because we got to talk about obviously his first performance right he does that's the classic hip shaking yeah this is before they're working together Mm-hmm. I thought that was a good. I enjoyed that scene. I thought the it was scene a great. Like, was very interesting. A very like exaggerated scene because because it, mm-hmm. it's really focused on like the audience and how the, he's like kind of encouraging them to like break free of their societal chains or whatever. Oh yeah, these like women who yeah. are just like it's like screaming it cool. girls, but they're like we got to sit here all proper, but like there's nothing they can do. They have to scream and yeah, shout. It's and primal. Reach for yeah. yeah. <laughs> And so then, like, people funny. are looking at him like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, like, what is it? And even, like, his, like, label, like, the guy who owns the label he's recording on, his wife, she just, like, screams randomly, too. So it's like, no one can yeah. control themselves when they see him performing. Yeah, and he, like, go, it's a very almost, like, uh, you know, that new sound you're looking for moment in Back mm-hmm. to the Future, because he goes back to, like, the drummer, and he's like, what, what do they want? He's like, it's the shaking, it's the wiggling. Yeah, keep doing the wiggling. He's like, Keep okay. doing the wiggling. He's wearing his like um, pink zoot suit. Yeah, that pink it's suit. Big so to be it's. A suit uh, suit? I don't know. I don't. I'm not sure. I'm not a. But they do make specialist. like it's a. They do make a point of like he got it on like Beale Street in Memphis. Yes. Um, and it's associated with like. I guess I would say like the black population. Yeah, they try to do a lot of subtle moves in the beginning to be like Elvis Presley was doing black people's music without like necessarily trying to call him a thief or call right because they uh, show him like growing up and it's like oh he's growing up in like the poorer part of town yeah his friends are black and like then he goes to like this more evangelical church right Mm -hmm. and like he sees um a guy playing like blues guitar in this like small building that is yeah a kind of a club almost like people are going there to dance clearly but it's like kind of it seems very like secretive right like they're gazing in through a through a crack in the wooden panel on the side. Yeah, because it's in like a shanty town. Yeah. They're in like yeah. <laughs> the poor district and the, yeah, there's this one shanty building where a dude is playing. I didn't like this scene because it was just a bit hokey to me. Where I was like, well, how did... And they're they're treating it as like a superhero origin story because Elvis Presley's a big fan of Captain Marvel right. Jr. He literally has the lightning bolt. The lightning bolt. Um, and apparently a lot of his later costumes, like the stuff in his Vegas era... Um, is actually based off of like Captain Marvel Jr. designs. Yeah, which because his I whole life that. he was a big fan of it, which is pretty it's cool. Got like but, capes and stuff. Yeah, capes and the, these crazy jumpsuits is pretty tight. But uh, the, just the kind of hokiness tight. of it being like, here you heard blues music, and then just just a block away, there's a big tent full of gospel music. Yeah, <laughs> and he hears that too, and he goes over there and like is taken. You know, it's one of these more. Uh, is it evangelical? The ones that's where what get, I like, said. I don't know if that's the right word though. Like speaking in tongues in that kind of style. Yeah, where, where like, like they're singing the music, the music and everyone's just like into it. Like everyone is participating and 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 moving. And I think that's the important thing is everyone's moving. Yes. And even he, you could see him. He starts to shake. Yeah, he is right? compelled is, he by the music. Then later incorporates that into his show. Yeah. So we get like a real. It felt really slapdash. Be like, there's the blues, there's the wiggling, and the gospel because he will do some of that stuff. That's how you create an Elvis Presley. It was like, yeah, okay. I guess and, I know. I know it seems crazy. Like those two are just like right next to each other, and then that's the moment in his life. But I, yeah. you know, it's very like symbolic of like these are the things that he saw when he was yeah younger and, 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 and he's he's them. wearing the captain marvel for his visual yeah effect. so like it is like a real 
it I guess it's well done in that sense, but it is it was just a like a bit too much, <laughs> especially because then you get the moment where they're singing high in the church and then the blues player outside is harmonizing with them. Right. Uh, right. That got a laugh out of me and Greta in the <laughs> theater there. <laughs> but yeah, like we're talking about all this. This is like it's moving at a yeah, mile. It is. That's start like here. fast stuff. Like that's the origin story. And then they meet and then he mm-hmm. agrees to um represent him and then he's like on tour and there's like a very brief moment where it's like a guy's like hey take one of these it'll help you keep your pep in your step and you're like ah oh, cool yeah. amphetamines the, and, yeah the introduction of amphetamines into it and like that was, and then those don't come up again for like a while mm-hmm. that's and that was something greta said she felt that it didn't focus enough on like the the darkness and eccentricity of Elvis the man. Yeah, it's a lot of, oh yeah, and then it comes at the end, I guess. It's a lot of, it's definitely like rock and roll mythologizing. Yeah, we are dealing with Elvis, the Christ figure of rock and roll, rather than like Elvis the person, for the most part of the film. Yeah, so like, he's very much idealized. Mm -hmm. Um, Even, I don't think he, like every problem is like, what do we do? There's something in the way. And it's like, oh, we just got to be Elvis Presley. And it's like, that's, oh, that's solved yeah. the problem, of course. <laughs> that's solved the problem. 100%. Why didn't we think of that the earlier? Same thing. Yeah. So that, that's kind of how it's presented. It's very mm. much mythological. Though I think there was a good setting up for that when he does the, uh, the, the concert that incites the riot. Where right, that's kind of the like, next um, thing yeah, that's that the happens, next, like, phase. Um, where he's kind of, he's, you know, as he's gaining traction, all these like old conservatives start to be like, oh, he's corrupting the youth. Mm-hmm. And I mean, some of them are literally like, like flying like Confederate flags, right? That's right. Yeah. Cause he's like by a, a race rally. Like, yeah. These, yeah. these Confederates. In the South. I don't remember what state, but like. It's implied several states, or they several mentioned several states. states. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so they're basically saying, like, we don't want this guy on TV if he's going to act like that. So they, like, put him in a tux. Yeah, and say, so like, like, don't shake your hands. on this. Yeah, you don't shake. And, like, they even get there's scenes of him before like in the studio where he's recording now and they're like, you, you try to stay still, Elvis. He's like, I can't sing if I can't move. Yeah. And they're like, all right, just stay close to the microphone. Yeah, just stay close to the microphone. Um, there was something I had to say about yeah, the right. You were talking about the organization show. that gets Colonel Tom Parker in this boardroom because they interrogate yeah, him a lot. I about- think it's like a governor or something, and like his staff. I think that's who they are. Okay, that makes that makes some sense to me. Or like uh, a maybe a senator or something because like that. that like came off as a little fictitious. But I'm also like. It must have like something like this must have happened, right? Because Elvis Presley was such a big deal, and we're talking about at a time where like a single recording artist coming out and hitting this level of success is, you know, it really does sweep the nation. Yeah, it's like uh, this is like part of the invention of pop music, right? Mm-hmm. Like uh, the Beatles also get pointed to in this but yeah this is we do the 50s do get this to is see early. that this is the 50s this is earlier um and that is the thing i did like with a lot of the time period transitions or event transitions is when he would give us um actual headlines from that time oh yeah those are cool and then you can so like elvis the events. pelvis what elvis a fucking the pelvis. this was apparently one of his nicknames of course because of the the dancing um so yeah seeing the outrage and shock Given to what to, by today's standards is very modest, so tame, act. yeah, so tame is so wild to see, and I think that was a great, yeah. And of course, they regiment. really pushed, rightly so, I'm sure, um, like the the racist aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Where they're like, this is wrong because it is black people stuff. Yeah, and yeah, so yeah, that was a crazy thing to see. It's also, but and, and it's used to. There's a weird angle in this film again. This mythos of Elvis. Where even in relation to modern events, he is always like on the right side of history. He's always like, I'm, right. I'm anti-segregation. Progressive. Bobby Kennedy got shot. He was a good man. And like, <laughs> Do- yeah. Dr. Dr. King got shot. He was a good man. It's always like we have to get a shot of Elvis approving of like modern. Yeah, I mean, I know he probably was. Like, I don't think it was outlandish, yeah. but it seems like a move for today's audience to be like, see, Elvis was on our side. Right. 
Um, but that happens later on. Um, yeah. So, yeah, he does have a concert where they're like, you can't shake your hips. And he's like, I just can't not do it. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot is, is made of like, oh, dog. just do this one show, do this one show, or do this couple yeah, shows. Yeah, because Tom Parker's like, do the one show, and then we can go back yeah. to our lovely and you don't worry about it. He's like, I can't even, you know, be fake for one show. It's not yeah. worth it. Uh, so then he, he gets arrested. And this is, again, like the pattern is he returns to his roots, gets in yeah. trouble, and then gets success. So he goes back to that Beale Street bar um, and hangs out with Sister Rosette. Yeah, Club, Club Handy. Yes, Which I assume Handy. is named after W.C. Handy. Ah! Because like, the statue of W.C. Handy is like really close. That makes a lot Beale of sense. Street. Yeah, it must be. Um, and of course, Beale Street, a famous blues street. Um, yep. In Memphis. Yeah, all of this I'm getting from walking in Memphis. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, B.B. King tells him, he's like, because he's like, they're going to arrest me if I dance upon that stage. And then B.B. King's like, no, they're not. You're a white guy who makes people a lot of money. Yeah. And uh, indeed, he doesn't get a well. He get like the police take him away, but he's not really yeah, but arrested. He get arrested, but um, it does lead to him uh, going to military service. Yeah, and that's maybe the other part where because we do get the narration of Colonel Tom Parker on there. He's like, "Why did he not listen to me?" <laughs> I guess so. It's like, oh, we could have avoided all this. Except yeah. He didn't so maybe, and then it's maybe in the terms of the narrative, Tom Parker trying to push the. It's the love of the audience. Right. That causes the problems. Yeah, because he even says in that scene, like, he chose the audience over me. So if I was the one who killed him, he would have listened to me, not you, the audience. So that, that maybe le- leans into his defense a bit. Yeah, yeah. But again, there's so many scenes where he's just clearly a villain. It's like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> how could he be telling Definitely us this? Definitely got some inconsistencies. Uh, so then, yeah, he has to go away to military service. Um, but while he's in basic training, his mother drinks herself to death. That's right. Uh, so that's very sad. And then there's also like a moment where Colonel Parker's like, I will be your mother. He doesn't say that exactly, but yeah, but he's like, I will take like, care I will of you. do what she would have done. And like, he definitely like. I feel like it's played so much like, oh, he's getting his claws in now because the mother's gone and like there's mm-hmm. no one to stand in his way. Yeah. Even but though the mother was wasn't me. doing much to stand. I guess she was established earlier as being against him going tutoring and stuff. Yeah, so she was that. definitely prov- holding him back in that sense. Yeah. Um, what did you think of the, uh, the, the, what would you call it, the stage makeup on Tom Hanks, that like fat suit and the cheeks? It's always weird seeing someone in a fat suit who is like not normally. Yeah, look like that. So you're like, it's like quite, not quite real. Yeah, there is like a a weird juxtaposition. Just because you're like, that's not what that person's face looks like, and I know that. So as for the makeup quality, I thought it was, I don't know, it's fine. I didn't like notice it being particularly bad. No, I thought anything. it was pretty solid. Yeah, if that was what um, you were getting but, at, which I guess it was. Yeah, I just, I just, I just wanted to know what you thought. It's, yeah, it's yeah. a thing that happens. So yeah. I thought it was, I thought it was doing pretty Worked well. I thought it was good. Um, yeah. So he goes to Germany. Um, and he do meets much. his 14-year-old wife there while he is yeah, 24. I think that, yeah, they're 10 years different. 10 years difference. Uh, so that's Priscilla. Yeah. Uh, at the time, Wagner. Um, yeah. Uh, but of course, they got married. And became Priscilla Presley. 77. Wow. He died in 77. <sighs> she... 77. She's 77 now. Um, worth noting while we're talking about her, she did praise this film for its accuracy. Oh, okay. Um, she said the following here. It, it portrays her up. pretty positively, I think. Which, yeah. I mean, I don't know if there's a negative way, like there's a negative interpretation of her role in the story. Well, maybe her role as a child wife. True, be, it could definitely be like, yeah, and Elvis was a fucking creep, fuck this guy. Like, you could do that in a movie. So You could absolutely do that. Um, and it doesn't. They just have a very like sweet romance with the door open, you know. With the door open, yeah. He's pr- portrayed as a gentleman, um, and the only thing that could be said negative about it is it's later revealed in a Vegas scene where he's like kissing everyone in the audience. Yeah, and it's like, well, his true love again. This is this is the pushing that Elvis's love of the audience killed him. Is that he's kissing all of these random women? He does not go over to the table to kiss his wife. Yeah, 
Um, she says this in a Facebook post. She said, for those curious about the new film Elvis, Boz Lerman, the director, provided a private screening for me and Jerry Schilling at Warner, Warner Studios recently. The story is about Elvis and Colonel Parker's relationship. It is a true story told brilliantly and creatively that only Boz, in his unique artistic way, could have delivered. Austin Butler, who played Elvis, is outstanding. Halfway through the film, Jerry and I looked at each other and said, wow, bravo to him. He knew he had big shoes to fill. He was extremely nervous playing this part, I can only imagine. Tom Hanks was Colonel Parker in this film. What a character he was. There were two sides to the colonel. Jerry and I witnessed both. The story, as we all know, does not have a happy ending, but I think you will understand a little bit more of Elvis's journey, penned by a director who put his heart and soul in many hours into this film. High praise from yeah. Priscilla Presley. Yeah, right on. So yeah, that's the big... Here's, here's what I didn't like. Um, and maybe a complaint okay. about the movie in general. The, the lack of... And you know, it doesn't need to be a fucking Marvel, like, oh, look, this is crazy. But the fact that we didn't even get, because we get a scene of him getting his hair shaved. And famously, Elvis Presley says, hair today, gone tomorrow. Right. And it's, we get that scene right in the middle of this, this, like his mom just died and Colonel Parker is slipping in to get his claws in deeper. To have, I think it would have been great for a little bit of comedic punch, and also to show that like Elvis is the showman in in all regards. Right. To have him give off this stupid one liner, and they don't do they, it. You know, sell it, and they don't do it. I, uh, I thought it was. Yeah, nice it was. I mean, is that because they like shave his hair, right? Or like, but not yeah. really. Like they show yeah, him at the you, barber, you and the they like <laughs> take a bit of hair off, and he's like, it's like. Pretty much back to normal. It's pretty much the same. You're like, okay, in the next scene, right. what did they even change? Like, they shave the sides a bit. It just looks better. Like, mm-hmm. and that's another part of this scene, and it's because it's a pivotal shift. Because once he goes to the military, Colonel Tom Parker is like, when you come back, I'm going to make you the greatest actor of all time. Right. And we have there's no prior right. indication that Elvis wanted to be an actor. There's no or, setup for that. There's yeah, no setup that was for weird. Because I was like, oh, why does does he want to be an actor? Apparently he did, because later in the movie he even says, like, um, I just wanted to be an actor like James Dean. James Dean, yeah, right, when he's on the Hollywood sign there. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's just parts like that where I'm like, we're focusing too much on Elvis the myth and not enough on Elvis the dude. Like, I want to get a little more of that. Yeah, that part was definitely strange. Because, yeah, it was a little left field for me. Um, yeah, he goes to Germany. He comes back. He starts doing films. Um, yeah, and then it kind of the... it kind of drops out there, right? Mm-hmm. Like he shows him doing the films, and it says like he's not performing as much. He's doing these films, and the quality of the film is sort of going down. The box right, office revenue get, is going that's down. That's a as great well. visual scene, right? Because we get like the credits intro to him and his crew, don't we? Yeah, that's that is cool. On the yeah, phenomenal, love that. Yeah, and then we get these clips, and it's like they wouldn't let him in movies unless he was singing. And then eventually the quality dipped off because they were just cranking them out. And that takes us to the Christmas special. Yeah, and uh, we get to see Elvis's hair, like, tight, done up tight. Yeah. After that time jump. But yes, the Christmas special. The next Christmas special, episode. which is like the real, yeah, the next episode of the Elvis show. You could have really chopped this up into, a, like, a series. Yeah. Um, maybe they'll do that for the four-hour release that'll come out someday. But yeah, you get this where he's like, where Tom Parker's like, we'll do the Christmas special. You will sing Here Comes Santa Claus in the sweater. Yeah, he wants to turn him into more of like, I guess, I don't even know. Like uh, like a family figure. Fa- right, he wants him to be like a family artist. entertainer. Yeah. Because um, Tom Parker is always chasing the money because as it turns out, he had a huge fucking gambling problem. Yeah. Owed a lot of money in Vegas. In Vegas, of all places. Uh, and so, yeah, that's like the next part of the Enterprise. And Elvis doesn't really want to do it. And also, there's some high profile assassinations around this time. Right. So, that's kind of that part of the movie. But there's that's also the- when he goes up on the Hollywood sign and gets like some producers, says, like, you, I don't even remember. They like did something for like the Rolling Stones. Mm-hmm. And someone else? In any case, they film this special, but he kind of rebels over the course of it. It doesn't uh, Yeah, because the again, songs. they're like, you got to get back to your roots. That's what those producers right, tell exactly. Them. Like, get your old band. Go back to your roots. Do the thing you love doing. Play the music you love to play. Mm-hmm. It upsets NBC. We get to see the old NBC logo, which is pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. 
and the old um, executive guys. Yeah. Just being old and ratchety and being the like, old, like he's not wearing a Christmas sweater. He's what? not wearing a Christmas sweater. What in the hell? So, yeah, it shows him come out on this like small stage and just perform a bunch of his old songs, much yeah. to the chagrin of the executives and Colonel. Um, and he finally enjoys music again. Oh, yeah, again, solving problems by just being Elvis. Just by being Elvis. <laughs> And, and then this yep. is where we get the uh, the trailer moment that you and I talked about earlier, uh, <laughs> off off mic, where it's Bobby Kennedy dies, high profile yep. assassinations, yeah, and then he's like, "We got to do something about this," and he's like, "It has nothing to do with us. So it has everything to yeah. do with it us. It has everything to do with us." Yeah, I don't know why that line. <laughs> it's in the trailer for a reason, I guess. Yeah, it's it's a it's a real trailer line, and it's, like you uh, said, he just like. Like they put, he has like a comment about uh, several assassinations. Definitely that one, and then uh, Martin Luther King. Martin Luther King. Um, there we get it. A paper later of Sharon Tate being murdered. I don't oh, think he actually comments right. on yeah. that. That's part of his like um, paranoia. Yeah. Part, but that's later on. That's later on. It would have been funny if there was one assassination. He's like, I didn't like that fellow anyway. <laughs> like, damn, Elvis. <laughs> Okay. Gotta have something to say about everybody. Um, but yeah, so, we get... Yeah. This is one of so the, the Christmas only moments we get part. as uh, Elvis as a songwriter. We get a That's lot of him true. as a performer. Yeah. But this is the only moment where he, he writes this... They, they call it a protest song in, in, the, uh, in the headlines. Yeah, and that's like the big news coming out of the special, which apparently does amazingly well. Yeah. Much to Again, the delight of the Elvis old executives, saves the, saves I assume. Day, yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it ends with him performing this song that's inspired by these assassinations. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I, the, I don't the, even remember what it's called. I, nor do I. It's, uh, it must be a famous song, because it's famous song in real life. I'm, I, this is maybe where we reveal, I realized through this film that I am not as big of an Elvis Presley fan as I might think. Because the whole time I was like, I wonder when he wears that white jumpsuit I know. And it's like right at the end. I'm like, yeah. oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I've, I've picked up some Elvis mythology over the years, so I think I had a pretty good idea that it was like his early stuff, where it's more like mm-hmm. rock and roll, and then moving into the movies, and then into his kind of Vegas phase, but it was pretty vague outline. Mm-hmm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what um, else happens well, in this movie? What's the next well, thing? So there's while the While we're talking special. about music, let me ask oh, you sure. this. Because the soundtrack is also not what you would expect from your typical biopic. True. Um, you expect songs of the era and the songs from the artist predominantly. And of course, yeah. you get some of that. But you also get, like, when they introduce Hound Dog as sung by Big Mama Thornton, it's as part of a Doja Cat song called Vegas. So you then get her rapping in it while, uh, like, while Elvis is driving down the street or something. Yeah, like, I think that he's driving to Beale Street. Driving to Beale Street, yeah. Because um, he needs to in get his back nice to his car. Roots. Probably yeah, going back to his roots. Um, so I think I, I actually I I do like what they did with the music because there's mm-hmm. a few moments like that, and there's even particularly when he's performing early on. If you listen to the guitars, you're like, that's not what guitars sounded like in 1950. Right. Whatever. Um, like, they didn't have that kind of distortion, right? But when they're creating, like, this excitement, I think they just wanted to make it a little more modern. And it's like, this is maybe what you would feel if you heard this sound. This right. sound didn't exist at the time, but this is how they felt when they heard the sounds that existed, you know? So you're trying right. to, you need to bridge that gap somehow, technologically. And yeah. I think it works because, like, yeah. it's not obvious. I think necessarily that, like, oh, that's not what it would sound like. But like, it wouldn't have like this. The way they present like that early on scene, his like first performance scene, like he's filling the room with this sound. It's like I doubt they would have that, especially considering he's <laughs> yeah. you know uh, not famous yet. He doesn't have money, but. So they probably have just these crappy little amps. And like yes. even if people are having a good time, it's not like that. That is definitely exaggerated. So, you know, bringing that like more modern technology and then more modern sounds as well into it. Right. Makes sense. To speak an emotional truth rather than a factual truth. Yeah. Again, like the drama time. I like that. Exactly. That's a good take on it. Um, we just talked about uh, the other week about synth sounds and how like 
things that do not surprise us today. You'll get quotes from like the eighties and how they're like, this yeah. fucking blew like, my It was mind. the fucking craziest thing I ever heard in my life. And nowadays we're like, zerp. Yeah, whatever. It's a synthesizer. Like, uh-huh. It's the zerp sound. And so, <laughs> so yeah, to, to update that for a modern audience to maybe get that same emotional reaction. Yeah. yeah not a bad idea. Yeah. It definitely stood out, and I, I didn't dislike it, but I was like, this is this is not the regular choice, and so... Uh, yeah, I honestly thought it fit, like, it wasn't necessarily obvious. It didn't stand out in a crazy way or anything. Mm-hmm. I, I thought I, it, know, it didn't blend it like, together. It did not work, but it yeah. was like, I did note it. I was like, what the fuck is yeah. this? This is, this is quite different. Um, yeah, so the Christmas event happens, and then... God, there is so much to this film. As well. Oh, something I forgot to mention. Uh, <laughs> yes. There's like a progression with his hair, kind of. So like right. when he's doing just the movies, when they're like deciding not to do movies anymore, he's got his hair so done up. And as soon as he starts to perform, it just like comes out because he's shaking again. And right. it looks more like it did before. So you kind of have his hair mirroring Yeah, we get closer to that like King his Pompadour. Roots. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. just wanted to mention that. Ah, uh, yeah. Let's see. So we do, we do get the... Uh, the world kind of passing by Elvis in some way in the later sixties. Yep. Yep. As we it get shows that, like that clip of like Jimi Hendrix, Jimi Hendrix, and, and we get music of that era in kind of like layered over each other. Um, but yeah, that real breaking point, the real friction is the live television recording between Parker and Elvis. And it gives us uh, an, at least an audience who doesn't know that obviously Elvis dies, never having seen the world in Vegas. It gives us some hope that he will will break free from this relationship. Right. Yeah, and then that's kind of the next big thing, which mm-hmm. is Vegas. Yes. Right? I think so. Yeah, because that's right, because he does this great uh, television show success with the, his producer friends. Yeah, especially. And then they're like, the next thing is to go across right. the world. It's like, we can get a million dollars a show in Germany and Japan, and we can, we can do it all, baby Elvis, around the world. Yeah, and, and then, he's like, I want to go. He wants to go so bad. And then Colonel Tom keeps talking him down. Yes. Saying, no, 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 just stay here. It's so expensive. What about security? Later, that's his line later on. He's like, the security. Yeah, security. And, like, it turns out Colonel Tom Parker. There's spoilers in this episode, by the way. Yeah, by <laughs> the way, if, it, <laughs> if you're 47 minutes in and I haven't realized it, we're um, talking this whole thing through. Yeah, he, like, he can't travel internationally because he doesn't have a passport. Yeah. So that's part of the reason he doesn't want these international tours is because he can't go on them mm-hmm. and control everything. That's right. And yeah, because uh, yeah, he doesn't yeah. have a passport and yeah, he wants to control Elvis. So Elvis actually goes to him to break up his relationship. And then uh, Colonel Tom Parker's like, international, you lose so much money on that. Hey check out this venue and then he points out it's the hotel where he has heaps of debt yeah the hotel (laughs) the international the international Um, and then he says basically like yeah that's the moment where he says you can do this show won't cost Mm -hmm. you anything won't cost you anything show orchestra whatever you do six weeks or whatever you can have it all and then 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 you can go on your international tour yeah, and so we get to see him put together a show, and it is pretty wild to see like Elvis be like, "Well, I'm going to get a full orchestra on this. I'm going to get gospel backup singers." Yeah, um, it's a fun little montage of him putting it together and screaming at all his happily screaming at all his like uh, musicians gathered there. Yeah, and I mean the show is pretty exciting. It they even started with um, like the Sprack the Zarathustra. Yeah. Zarathustra. Got to do my tongue twisters. Yeah, he's a. It's an early one. <laughs> and uh, yeah, he clearly has like a great time in the show. You know, mm-hmm. after still not really performing in front of like a big audience in a long time, right? Or much. I think he might have done some touring in there somewhere. I don't remember. Um. So yeah. So that's like his big show, and then the um casino boss guy the owner is like hey colonel tom if you can keep this guy coming back for the next five years all debts are cleared like yeah all debts are cleared and an unlimited line of credit for future gambling yeah and he's like i gotta do this yeah so then he starts undermining yeah you know bringing up those security reasons he begins keeping elvis here and we like see that 
And we're like, okay, well, that can only last like maybe a year. And then it's like, boom, 1970, 1971, 1972. Like the years just yeah, literally just like go fly by. by. And then I think it's on his fourth one. And then he's kind of, oh, yeah. He's also like doing a lot more drugs at this point. Yes. This is the quote unquote the fat Elvis phase. Right. And the paranoia, too. Yes. Um, so, like, he's, you see, he's got like a bunch of guns which he at some point shoots at his own TVs. At own TVs, yeah. Um, there's a point where, like, someone jumps on the stage. Oh, it also shows, like, the Manson murders, right? That's right, yeah, with Sharon Tate being murdered. So a guy jumps on the stage, and he, like, almost pulls out a gun and shoots him. Right. But everyone uh, But I think settles for doing karate, which he was also obsessed with. Yeah, apparently. I mean, there's that story where he met Alice Cooper and, like, handed him a gun. He's like, you want to see how I would disarm someone? And then... <laughs> Alice Cooper says he thought like, shoot him, shoot you be the guy who shot Elvis, and then <laughs> he said <laughs> before he could do anything, he was on the ground, just completely disabled by Elvis. <laughs> that is incredible. Elvis Presley gives a guy a gun. Alice Cooper's like, hey, fuck it, this could be it, and then immediately gets disarmed. <laughs> yeah, so that too good. That was not in the movie, but that's the story that Alice Cooper tells. And that's, like, some of these lighter details, we, we don't get to see him eat a peanut butter and banana sandwich. We don't get to no. see him just, like, practicing karate in his apartment or anything. <laughs> yeah, because, like, Priscilla is also at least separated from him at this point. Yeah, we do get to see that. Like, she separates from him. He's like, is it about the other women? And she's like, no. They named the plane after his daughter, Lisa, Lisa Marie. Marie. Um, yeah, so we kind of yeah, like that's that. also such like a tragic part. It's like he has he buys a private plane and then like never leaves the country, never uses it. They're like Elvis Air, and yeah, and they just use it, I guess, to get around the <sighs> oh, states for tours. So sad, it is sad. Um, yeah, so he keeps coming back to this, uh, this casino, and then uh, and then he collapses basically. He's about to go on stage, he collapses, and then they're like, there's like the <laughs> The lady who's there, she's like, if this was my son, I wouldn't let him, like, go on the stage. Yeah, I'd take him to a fucking hospital. Yeah, I'd take him to the hospital, and then, yeah, basically, they give him some drugs and push him on yeah, the stage. Yeah, like, Dr. Ned or whoever, like, what can you do? And he just pulls yeah. out this fucking suitcase. Just like, <laughs> yeah, vial, injects him with something. Yeah, put, fills him up with go juice, and it's just like, right, get him on the stage. And then he performs for a while, and then he kind of has a breakdown there, too. Because mm-hmm. he, at this point, has been told that Colonel Tom does not have passport, and that's passport. why this is happening. So he starts to like shout out at Colonel Tom from stage. Yeah, it starts as like funny stage banter, and Colonel Tom has his banter down to a, a T. He's like, now he's right. going to he's say, say put the house lights on. Yeah, and then see, it's, it's kind of yeah, it's showing the unfurling of his his you know influence there. It's interesting because musically, we start out the the Vegas years with Suspicious Minds is the big performance we see. Mm-hmm. Which I think, of course, relates to the relationship between Elvis and Colonel Tom. And then, yeah, he gives this speech. He's like, they, they say Colonel Tom's an alien. And they're like, ha, 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 that's funny, but he actually means like... <laughs> yeah, like an illegal alien. <laughs> like an illegal alien. And yeah, eventually he screams, you're fired at him a bunch. Uh, they cut to a young Donald Trump who was in the audience and he gets like a light bulb over his head. The one comedy moment. I'm kidding. That didn't happen. I was like, um, I don't remember a young Donald Trump. <laughs> 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 but yeah, he fires him there, and then fucking we the most outlandish scene of uh, Tom Parker and Elvis's dad, who's been his business manager, typing up this list of charges from day one, like from yeah. the 1950s. Yeah, he goes back, he's like gas for like driving out of Memphis. Out of Memphis, a dollar sixty five or whatever. Yeah, and then adds it up, and then eventually... That become like it adds up to like something like eight point seven million dollars or something. Yeah, like something that. like that. It's eight something. Like so, he basically says like change. you owe me this if you fire me, and then yeah. Elvis says, "Well, shit, I can't do that then." And he doesn't yeah. takes him back. And he doesn't takes him back. He does the fucking Vegas shows. Um, and then he has the, we get like near the end we get him uh, in the car. He has like one tender moment with Priscilla where they kind of laugh. As he's yeah, talking about how nobody's going to remember him. And, plays, uh, plays I Can't Help Falling in Love. Is that what yeah. it's called? I Can't Help, can't help Falling, falling in, love. in Love. Now that plays, I think, in most Priscilla scenes. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, different versions. That's kind of cool. Yes, that is pretty cool. 
Um, and then what we get at the end is uh, actual footage of Elvis playing one of his last performances at Vegas. Yeah, well, first, because they're meeting and it's like on the runway, right? Right. And then Elvis like gets on his plane. He like literally like ascending into heaven. Right. Yeah, that's right. He talks <laughs> about the bird that never lands until it dies. And then yeah. you get the papers saying he died at 42. And we get the, the footage of him singing Unchained Melody. Yeah. Which is, is it all footage of, uh, is it all um, historical footage? Because it seemed to me like maybe at first it was, um, what's the actor's name? Austin Butler. Austin Butler. And then just showed um, archival footage. Because maybe there, there are a, a few times throughout the film where they're clearly like trying to match archival footage. But it is right. Austin Butler. Well, it's in the cheeks because he never really becomes Fat Elvis. Okay. Like they don't really chuck I the pounds they did on for him. A second, but yeah, he's he's quite bloated. You can at the see end. it. In, yeah, you can see how bloated he is. But then the him. point that the movie makes is like, oh, he's still giving it his all. He still sounds like he always did. Yeah, he fucking belts it. It's, it's yeah. a really good performance. Right up until the end, and then he like yeah. died pretty much right after. Yeah, and then it, it we get your classic biopic where it's like uh, the the things about Colonel Tom Parker came out shortly after he died. Yeah. Um. And then it's like the 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 legacy of the musical legacy and pop culture influence of Elvis lives on. And then I swear to God, I thought it was going to be like in Elvis two. <laughs> Elvis will return in. <laughs> Elvis two, Return of the King. Um, yeah, that's the film front to back. Uh, yeah, so there's a lot of it, and like we kind of discussed it in sections because really it is in sections. Hmm. Um, see if I have any other general things about it. A lot, a lot of montages. There's a lot of stuff a that we move through quickly. I mean, exciting montages, you know. Yeah, like we said, like the visual music. style on this, impeccable. Yeah. Things will, someone will be performing over something, things happening, things moving. There's a bit, even like Sister Rosetta Tharp gets a scene where she's saying strange things happening every right. day. I'm gonna, I don't know if that's the actual name. Uh, that's because that seems long, but um, and then like it, you know shows him doing stuff. Um, let's see. Oh yeah, I like how his collar grows throughout the movie. Yeah, <laughs> which is also true of Elvis's career. Um, <laughs> and yeah, it was cool to see everyone at Beale Street and all the like historical people. Um, another interesting thing is, a lot of the time it seemed like he was kind of along for the ride. Just yeah, like, he stuff was really happening is to him. Just like, yeah, used because it doesn't necessarily show him like being almost. a business guy. Just show him being like, I just want to perform my rock and roll music, or like, I yeah. just want to be a film actor. And even though like he faces problems, like we said, he faces problems and solves them by being Elvis. There's not really like financial issues until the very end, where that's used to kind of trap him. Yeah, we don't really get too much into his yeah, financial into that side. Situation. And also, like, there's not like a a writer's block scene or something. Yeah, like you said, no, there's like, really only one part where he like writes a song. Yeah, and it's done almost yeah. through magic. And he's like, like, like just he's has gone. his inspiration, and then there's a song in the next. I scene. guess some of that, uh, like, like the same way he's like, "Hey, here, friend, have these to pep up your step." Like, like Lerman didn't really focus on things that are well established, and yeah, for I things like so. the financial troubles, we do get a lot of shots of Graceland where. There's like six cars out front. Yeah, it's because I mean he even says like, "Mama, I'm gonna buy you that pink Cadillac or whatever," mm-hmm. and like he buys a pink Cadillac and like five others and five others. So it's it's sort of just it's laid out there, but it's never like really explicitly said except one time. Tom they Parker's do say is like, like, "Man, he can hillbillies. spend that money." Yeah, he can spend that money. Um, so yeah, clearly spending a lot. Uh, do they show the jungle room? Is that the um, room he's in when Priscilla down like the jungle room? That was my because that was upstairs was, clearly, but I didn't yeah. see because I think I know what the jungle room looks like, and I don't think I saw the jungle I room. Don't think and so. And is that what Graceland looks like? Because it just looks seems like a house. Yeah, it seems very. I thought it was a little different, but I don't know. It's probably different on the inside, and it's I'm not sure the if they would have been. Yeah, it's bigger on the inside. They really <laughs> only had a couple rooms. It, yeah, and we don't get to see a lot of it later days, except for some yeah, interior shots. True. I think when he's clearly and, like remodeled the the bedroom that they show that's right do you think they got to shoot an actual graceland or did they have to recreate it on hollywood set i don't know i feel like i mean if they were gonna shoot at graceland then they probably picked the right time for it 
because yeah, of probably. COVID. Oh, yeah. It'd be easy to get in there. Yeah, or easier if things are closed down. Easier, but yeah. I don't know. Um, I don't know. Probably shit, so Alex. you could, like, I don't know. Pro- I, I imagine it was a set because, because they didn't go to very many rooms. Yeah, and I imagine, like, like you said, like COVID traveling, probably not the best yeah. time to do it. So, so that's my guess. That's a good guess. Um, Alex, let's, let's, let's break this down. Should people go see the movie? Fuck it, why not? Yeah, <laughs> go check it out. I mean, if you don't care about Elvis at all, yeah, I don't know if it's really worth seeing. Yeah, I think you gotta have a little yeah. Elvis appreciation. But that said, if you have an interest in, like, music um, mythology, you know, I think it's worth seeing, maybe even if Elvis isn't the most interesting thing to you, because it really does play a lot of that. Play with yeah. a lot of that. Um, um, yeah, music yeah, yeah. Do you think it's more of a, should people see it on the big screen, or should they wait and just see it at home? I am not a big proponent of, like, you gotta see this one in theaters, necessarily. Mm, okay. That said, I often don't watch movies again after theaters, so I don't have much to compare it to. Um, mm. But it's it's big and flashy so and loud, and it seems like the kind of thing that people would say, go see it in theaters. So, based on that, I suspect so. Yeah, I suspect it's a theater movie. Yeah, I'd say so. You know what? I'm gonna say see it with the, the, the cease that move. You gotta, 4D, baby. 4D. You gotta get the whole experience, the real meal deal. Um, yeah, I thought it was I thought it was like, yeah, I thought it was a good movie. I still think it's too long, but also I don't think you can make it shorter. Yeah. And it's like I, I enjoyed the the story of it. Yeah, you know, it was cool to see stuff about Elvis. Apparently it's reasonably accurate. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, there's always little things here and there you hear about and you're like this person yeah. actually wasn't a huge douchebag, but they needed a villain. It's like, okay, yeah. That's the one thing that some Elvis historian was like, it did kind of flatten Colonel Tom Parker's character, who is maybe a little more uh, three-dimensional than what they portrayed here. Yeah, and a lot of that stays in the si- c- sidelines, because clearly he's like fu- trying to like fund his gambling Yeah. at the same time, and like that's his problem, so like it it shows that, but it's never like front and center per se although they kind of try to do some like gambling imagery early on that Mm -hmm. doesn't really continue yeah we get like occasional shots back to him gambling in vegas we get him as this dying old man in a vegas casino so there is yeah yeah that's where like that imagery part comes from yeah um but all the characters are kind of larger than life i think um or completely ignored yeah so that's I think just how this movie chose to portray everything. Yeah. Yeah, here we have it. Um uh journalist Alana Nash, who had written an acclaimed biography of Parker in twenty ten, called the film a quote Boz Lerman fever dream. Is, now is that positive or negative? Um, it says that kept the liberties of history fair except to Parker, citing that Lerman's approach of it presenting it through a present day lens meant that the complicated character research by Nash of Parker is simplified. Fair enough. I mean, I'm sure that would be an interesting book because, you know, he's a character that had some history himself and clearly mm-hmm. interacted with some interesting people. But it's like the movie is long enough as it is. Yeah. It's, uh, and you can't it, present it, everything exactly, exactly like, as it was. You can't. Listen, listen to Roger Ebert, why don't you? It's a parable. Yeah, yeah I guess so. I guess I come down on that side in the end. Doesn't need to be the exact story or anything. Yeah, it's there's enough facts there, and it was a good ride. Like it's like good blockbuster cinema is close to a theme park ride in a lot of ways. Yeah, and I think this this kind of hit that. Yeah, and as much as like Colonel Tom is a villain in the movie, the villainy doesn't really come into it until the like later half mm-hmm. when they're no longer seeing eye to eye. Because before, like, I definitely, yeah, in that first bit, I agree. It's like, oh, he's like, just, you know, do this one show. It's fine. Then we'll go back to being crazy Elvis the pelvis. Yeah. But, like, he can't even do that. Like, (laughs) (laughs) ah, rock and roll stars. Yeah, you're right. It's like a slow. It's like, uh, like, like that was reasonable. Like, it wasn't great, but it was like, okay, we'll do one show. Fine. Like, yeah. And then I won't get, you know, arrested. Or, yeah. like, they know I'm not American or whatever. Don't have and even, like, near the end, like, when he offers him the Vegas show, there is, like, symbiosis between the two at points. Because in mo- many ways, he's giving him what he wants. Yeah. 
um, he's clearly excited about the idea of the show. Yes. But he's also preventing him from Yeah, he's also know, touring. Yeah, and using him as a cash cow. Like he is <laughs> Yeah, yeah. He's still taking advantage of him. Yeah, absolutely. Um shit. Well that's I mean, let's wrap it up there. If you guys want to tell us your opinions about Elvis the movie, hit us up on Twitter, hashtag cover me pod at Jake the Cressy at some Alex Wise Guy. Tell us what you thought. Tell us if you you enjoyed this episode, if you'd like us to hear us talk about other music based films. We've done Streets of Fire. We've done Elvis. We could do other biopics. There's got to be more music-based films, right? Surely there's music in film these days. More than those two? We could do silent films, too. I mean, there's still music in those. (laughs) There's probably more music in those. Yeah, it's a bigger focus. Um, I'd be interested to watch that Joan of Arc 10-minute biopic. Yeah. Do an episode uh, that's five times the length of the movie we're talking about. Hell yeah. That's how you do it, man. Um... I should rate and review us. We're on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, your favorite podcasting app. Tell your friends and family about us. Um, speaking of entrepreneurs, my partner, Greta James, she runs a clothing store on the corner of the street. That street is Robson and Denman. It's two streets. It's on the corner of both of them in Vancouver, Canada. Uh, Poppy Threads. Poppy Threads pop up on Instagram. Follow her. Check her out. Buy some things from her so she can afford to eat. Um, that does it for today's episode. And as we always say on Cover Me, there's a lot of people saying a lot of things. But in the end, you gotta listen to Cover Me.